Today you're going to be interacting with a whole host of people. Some will know the Lord, and others will not. Some will be pleasant to you, and others will be incredibly frustrating. And you will either be a good witness for Christ, or you will not. In this morning's podcast, we explore the connection between being a faithful witness for Christ and our countenance, our facial expression. Does our countenance represent what is now true in our lives? You are listening to the All of Life podcast. I am Brandon Neely, and this is a part of my teaching ministry at Christ Church of Acadiana in southwest Louisiana. Our proverb of the day is Proverbs fifteen thirteen: A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is crushed. Here we have a simple proverb, a glad heart, therefore a cheerful face. We learn here the tie that binds the face with the heart, the invisible with the visible. The two are connected by a spiritual string, if you will. The heart is the root and the face is the fruit. And what the world around us sees, well, it's either pleasant or rotten. Now, we all want to reserve the right to be uh, pissy and sassy and to pout. And as a result, we might want to outright reject what I just said. Uh, But let me show our stubborn hearts the text one more time. A glad heart makes a cheerful face. The question is, is your heart glad? Or is your heart sad? Or is it perhaps a combination of the two? Well, pastor, I'm not glad because this happened to me. And that happened to me. What does James say about trials and suffering? What does James say we should do in the midst of these trials and sufferings? Count it all joy, my brothers. Count it all joy. That is, down in your heart, consider it an occasion for rejoicing. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various trials. In this life, you're going to suffer affliction. There's going to be trials, and it's going to be horrific at times, and you will suffer, and you will weep and cry. But down deep in your heart, you are to consider it all joy. And Solomon's point is this, that when you're considering something joy down in your heart, it has an impact, generally speaking, on your face, on your countenance, on what other people see. We may not have joy in our heart, and therefore... No joy on our face. We may not even have a little joy mixed with sorrow, but we should. Solomon now, moving on a bit, Solomon also gives us a little more clarity in Proverbs 44 verse 1. He says, Even in laughter the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. Now, this seems to contradict what he said in the other one. Here he says that the face might be laughing, but the heart may ache. Whereas in the other one, he says that the heart and the face are connected. How are we to understand this? Which is true? Which is false? Well, in Proverbs 44 verse 1, we must note that this is the laughter of a fool. The laughter of a fool can oftentimes be a veil over a hopeless and angry heart, a disguise or an attempt to numb and escape the reality of one's life. The laughter of a pothead, as an example, as he is as high as a kite, may be loud and boisterous. His problems may have, for the moment, melted away. But his life is as low as it can be. And as soon as the high goes away, reality rushes in and all that is left is grief. So, 
Sure, the face doesn't always reflect the heart, but generally speaking, proverbially, it most certainly does. Normally, a joyful heart appears on the face as cheer, as when Eli told Hannah that her prayer had been granted. She would have a son. Now, you say, Pastor Brandon, what about when we are in trial? Right? Well, it's true that trials happen to us all. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, and so does hard times. Everyone suffers. But the wise and the foolish handle these difficulties. They go through these trials in entirely distinct ways. For the fool, circumstances exclusively determine the response of the heart and the corresponding countenance on the face. But for the wise, their hearts, their affections and hopes rise above the circumstances of this life. They um, float above the waves, buoyed by the promises of God. So while there is sorrow, sorrow in the heart, and in fact sorrow on the face, there is also hope in the heart and hope on the face. Their countenance is lifted up even in the midst of suffering. They may not be belly laughing. It may not be the look on their face as their firstborn child emerges into the world, but there is a hope on the face of those who have hope in their heart. They are victorious even when they are losing. Just as an example, consider the Philippian jailer. What was it that grabbed the attention of the Philippian jailer? Paul and his companion were in prison. They were chained and shackled. Life was coming to an end as so it seemed. There was nothing to rejoice in, at least not in the environment or in the circumstances, but Paul and his companion were filled with joy, singing and praising. And it was this joy that manifested itself in the countenance and in the song of Paul that attracted the jailer. It was their exuberant joy in the face of trial. They had resources of which the jailer knew nothing about. And this was attractive. It painted for him a vision of the future filled with hope. And honestly, I've done several evangelism classes, and the more I think about this, the more I am convinced that the first class should be learning how to control our inner powder, our inner moper and murmurer, our inner nervous Nancy, learning how to control that and express the truth that is now true of us, expressing the joy that is truly ours in Christ no matter the circumstances. Those who are sinking down deep beneath the waves of this world and those who are floating above the waves of this world, buoyed by the promises of God, shouldn't feel the same way in the heart and shouldn't look the same way in the face. Wrapping a profession of Christ in a cloud of melancholy may be cool today, may be cool among the hipster Christians, but it's a huge detriment to our witness The greatest evangelist is the one who wears the gospel gladness on his face. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. So, simply put, the wise triumph in the midst of a horrific situation. Bad things happen, and in this world we will suffer affliction, says Jesus. But the wise don't murmur, they don't pout, sulk, or stick their lips out. They weep. And that, of course, alters their face. But there is a far difference between weeping and furious rage and faithless pouting. I love the picture that Solomon gives us later in verse 17. It it reads this way, better is a dinner of herbs. This family, they're sitting around, they're eating herbs for dinner. Nothing but lettuce, nothing but green stuff. 
Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. You see, it's the fruits of love that rise above the meager diet and the lack of choice meats. The poor family's table is exuberant and happy and cheerful, even on the hard times. No one would deny that they're poor. No one would deny that they're on hard times. All they have for dinner is lettuce. But they have love. They have joy. They have fellowship. They have communion. That's the good life. Well, rising well above the harsh circumstances of this world. Like Tiny Tim in that old movie, uh, The Christmas Carol, or that book, The Christmas Carol. He was suffering from a handicap and hunger, but he had a cheer that would never quit. Well, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. Our faith should reflect the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our faith shouldn't be lifted up in haughtiness. It shouldn't be downcast and in sorrow that has no hope. But I frankly don't know how this is possible. Well, David shows us the way in Psalm 42, verse 43. He cries out to God. He says, Why are thou cast down, O my soul? See, his soul is cast down. He's praying to him. He's praying to God and preaching to himself, asking questions. And why, O my soul, are thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. You see, that hope in God is where the hope rises up and then expresses itself on the face. He's got to remind himself that he must put his hope in the promises of God. For I shall yet praise him. He is praising him in the midst of suffering. He is yet praising him. And why does he praise him? Here in Psalm 42, verse 43, he says this about God. God is the health of my countenance. You see there. He knows that if he can get a hold of the hope that is in God through this prayer and through this perseverance, trusting in the promises of God, he knows that his facial expressions will change. Solomon gives us help as well. In verse 14, he says that it is the wise who has joy on their face because they have what Solomon calls knowledge. Now, We don't have time for this, but that knowledge is founded upon the fear of God, and it is the true God-given, spirit-illuminated knowledge of the Word of God and the character of God. You get that down deep in your heart, and no matter the trial, you'll have a reason to smile. Like the Proverbs 31 woman, what does she do? She smiles at the future. We, too, should be smiling at the future when we go into work. When we go through hard times, when we come home from work at the end of of a long, hard day, we do what we can to suppress and to control that inner powder, that inner victim, that inner angry uh, brat, and rather smile at the future because every day the Lord's face, the Lord's face is shining on us. This has been another episode of the All of Life podcast. If the Lord's called you to a joyful countenance, Don't you worry. Trust Him. He'll equip you. He'll protect you. And He'll bless you along the way. Have a great day.